We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. As always, I am your host. My name is Steven. And joining me today is a very special guest, Mr. Marcus Whitman. You might recognize him from his work on YouTube as That Franchise Guy. Highly recommend you check him out. Uh, doing some great work over there and uh, on his Patreon page as well. So, uh, Marcus, thanks for taking the time to join me today. How are you doing? Doing great, Steven. I'm really appreciative for you having me on and having an opportunity to talk some draft and it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I have to give a quick shout out to our guy uh, Jason. You know, because Jason's actually the one that uh, made our initial connection happen. That's right. And, you know, now we've had the privilege of having you on each of the last three years on our show to talk about the draft uh, a little later than usual this year. But uh, really excited about this one. Before we get to draft talk, uh, the NFL offseason continues to just be. You know, the gift that keeps on giving the latest is, of course, the Debo Samuel situation. Uh, yeah, you know, you have the George Kittle jersey behind you. So um, definitely have to get your thoughts here. You know, Debo has been reportedly linked to your favorite team, the Packers. Uh, yeah. So what do you make of the Debo Samuel trade request and kind of how he fits in after, you know, we've already seen Tyree Kill traded and, you know, rumors of other receivers being traded as well? Yeah, well, you know, the... Uh... I would say about the last 35 receivers that have become available, quote unquote, have been linked to the Packers and they still have yet to do anything. So yeah. I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't get your hopes up for that, but uh, it's, it's wild with this entire, I mean, you mentioned how crazy the off season's been just the wide receiver market alone would be enough to justify a crazy off season. And it's, it's cool to think about how it was kind of predictable when you looked at uh, the Deandre Hopkins contract, being about 35% higher than basically any other receiver out there. But you looked around the horizon, you're like, all right, Devontae, Tyreek, like a lot of these guys were going to be looking for some new money. And we didn't really know how that was going to play out because if, if, for those that aren't aware, DeAndre Hopkins yearly number, which is what the agents use when they, you know, look at what they want to ask the team for. Right his yearly number came in so big because they added new money onto an already existing deal after the trade. So it wasn't real money that the Cardinals had committed to him. So 
in a lot of teams' eyes, that is not the real market for a wide receiver. And that's played a hand in some of this stuff. Um, I think the Niners, though, were, were willing to pay Debo. It just sounds like he wanted to get away from being a running back, basically, is, is kind <laughs> right. of uh, – it sounds – and that's reasonable, I, I think, um, just because the wear and tear and just the way he's perceived. I can understand wanting to um, thrive as a true wide receiver. Uh, as far as where he could go – to me, it's the Jets really make the most sense because you, you don't just need to have the draft capital to trade for him. You got to pay him as well. Yeah. And they, they have the rookie contract there. Um, and you obviously have the connections there. Uh, basically, the entire Niners staff went over to L.A. Uh, the, the trade I, I had suggested was the 10th pick and maybe Elijah Moore. Uh, might be a nice little exchange there, but other than that, it's, it is a little harder to find maybe a team that makes a ton of sense to pay Debo. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing that people are kind of forgetting here is that, you know, whoever trades for him is going to have to give him that extension that he wants. And, you know, there have been some people who have said like, Oh, like Debo Sam will be a lot of fun on the chargers. Like the chargers have $8 million in cap space next year and 29 players on the roster currently. So, uh, that is 100% not going to happen. I think the Chargers also lack the draft capital to make that happen. So, I mean, of course, Debo Samuel will be fun on every team, right? Like, he's Debo freaking Samuel. Right. But, you know, like you mentioned, you have to have the capital. You have to have the space to make an extension happen. I mean, the Jets have been in on every com every conversation for any receiver trade this offseason. A little bit different than the Packers being mentioned because the Packers, like you said, have not been in on those trades. The Jets have. So, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And then... Uh, you know, the Eagles have the capital as well if they want to go make that trade and really kind of take advantage of, you know, what they have in uh, Jalen Hurts and really kind of maximize that. Well, and another thing I'd like to add is that as great as Debo is, I do think there is something to say about like him being used as that running back or just the design touch guy for the Niners it's not that it isn't valuable because it is, it's just, you also need to pair that with a creative offensive mind. That's going to be able to get that out of them. Cause when I look at Debo, if you're going to pay him $25 million, do I think he's worth that as an X wide receiver that can run the full route tree and get open at all three levels and track the ball vertically? Maybe. I mean, he has the physical tools to do it. I just don't think he's shown that, but I think you need to factor that in it's not quite as similar as trading for Devonte or Tyreek where you've seen them be a full on like top five true wide receiver. I don't know if I would go that far with Debo. So that, that is another reason the jets make a ton of sense. Just schematically, they, they have right. the same offense to kind of use them in what he's good at. Yeah, absolutely. So definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as a casual NFL fan. Again, like I said, there's literally zero chance the chargers are in on that. Um, all right, let's move on, like I said, to the draft of meat of our conversation here. Um, I want to get your thoughts first on kind of the, the players primarily linked to the Chargers or at least assumed to be possibilities. Um, you know, the three names that I, I've seen kind of most commonly mocked to them at this point are Trevor Penning, Jordan Davis, and Chris Olave. Those are really kind of the, the big three, if you will, at this point, you know, as Jameson Williams has kind of surged up boards recently. So if you're sitting there at 17 and you're choosing between those three players, kind of where would you go and what are your thoughts on those uh, three players in general? 
Hmm. It was Alave, Penning, and Jordan Davis, you said? Yeah. Okay. I think I would write off Alave, personally. I think I think the value's fine, but unless you're totally in on him as like a Keenan Allen replacement, um, I don't know if he is what's going to help them win the most this year, just because I think his skill set is a little more redundant with what Keenan does, just more short to intermediate. Now, he definitely can be a deep threat, um, almost similar to what we said about Debo, like projecting skill sets. Uh, maybe he could show even more of that. But for me, I, I think I would write him off at that spot. I think Jordan Davis is the better player between him and Trevor Penning. Less Absolutely. of a need. Less of a need after they drafted or after they signed Joseph Day. And uh, yeah. they got Johnson too, right? From Austin the Johnson, yep. So they're they're in good shape uh, relative to how they looked last year up the middle. But none of those guys are Jordan Davis. It's really, I, I think that the conversation you got to have is can you sign a tackle? Can you attract uh, Dwayne Brown or someone else? There's there's other guys out there. Can you find a Band-Aid at right tackle so that you're not trotting Storm Norton out there to protect Trevor, yeah. uh, not Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Herbert? But <laughs> yeah, I that's that's probably the how what it comes down to to me if i can find a veteran tackle i would draft jordan davis otherwise you're you kind of have to go trevor penning i i he is my number four tackle he's a big drop off for me after those top three guys that's about as early as i'd start thinking about him i have a first to a second round grade on him so preferably you're getting him 25 35 range but in a desperate situation for a team that is in on trying to win right now i i Definitely don't think it's a bad pick. Yeah, you know, that's my that's my biggest thing with Trevor Penning. I mean, obviously you see the physical tools are there, the athletic traits are there, but I mean the senior bowl was legitimately tough for him. And I think that's something that not a lot of people really talk about because all they see are the the clips of him throwing people down. But you know, he was losing reps at a at a very high level and concerning level if you're talking about somebody that's a first round pick. And I think you watch his Iowa State film and you watch his North Dakota State film, his two perceived best opponents, if you will. And he struggled. So, you know, the Chargers with where they're at, I don't think they really can afford to take on that kind of developmental project. And to me, mm -hmm. you know, as a Utah guy, Trevor Penning really reminds me of Garrett Bowles, just, you know, physicality, length, athleticism. But the jump for him from even from Utah, granted, you know, Garrett Bowles hadn't played football until he was 18, but just that jump in technique and athleticism was really hard for Garrett Bowles. And it took Mike Munchak, the best offensive line coach in the league, in my opinion, to really kind of pull the best out of him. And frankly, I don't think the Chargers have that kind of time. And I know they don't have Mike Munchak as coach. I think I like their offensive line coaching staff, but they're not Mike Munchak. So I've really struggled with the Trevor Penning stuff. And, you know, obviously, if they solve that right tackle need, I will be happy. I will tolerate it. But I, mm -hmm. I'm worried about the time frame there with Penning switching to the right tackle and coming to the Chargers. Yeah. If they had a second round pick, it'd make it a little bit easier. I mean, obviously, you're not complaining about having Khalil Mack. But, right. Uh, right. you know, if you could you could make that trade off and say, well, we might miss out on Penning. But if we get Abraham Lucas or maybe Bernard Raymond falls to us, someone that's you know, maybe a little bit better of a value pick. Mm 
then it would be kind of a no brainer to not reach on, on penning, but it, it does, it is like the one thing with the chargers. That's, you know, I, I do own Super Bowl futures on your chargers. I got, <laughs> go. I was going to save this for the end of the show, but it, it got brought up. You know, I, I do got Derwin here with me. Um, so nice. I will be pulling, I will be pulling for the chargers to escape the, uh, NFC West, but, or AFC West, but, um, yeah, that that is the one thing. It's like, man, they have got to figure this out, or it's it's gonna be important games. Herbert running for his life again, just like last year. So, it's it's not an ideal situation, but I, I think you could make that pick if if all of your other, you know, I guess escape routes were were flooded. Yeah, I mean they've they've reportedly you know flirted with the idea of kicking Matt Filer to right tackle. You know, he mm-hmm. uh, played there. Uh, of course, for a couple, like a season and a half for the Steelers, and and he was good. I, you know, I, I'm hesitant there because he really had, you know, a career season as a run blocker this past season with the Chargers. Has great chemistry with Sean Slater and Corey Lindsley, mm-hmm. and so I'm hesitant to kind of break that trio up. And you know, I, I really wish that they would have signed, you know, a, a, a Billy Turner type or a Morgan Moses type at this point. But you know, yeah. that's what it is. So. Those who uh, those who listen to this podcast and follow me on Twitter know that I am incredibly high on Zion Johnson, the Boston College guard, uh, and you share those same beliefs. You, we both have him as a top five player, um, and yeah. I'm sure people are kind of tired of hearing me talk about Zion Johnson. So what do you see in Zion that has him as a top five player for you, and where do you see him fitting into this draft class in terms of you know draft night being where he would be selected mm-hmm. ultimately? So I'm going to say something that'll, you know, probably going to sound crazy, but you know, we think of Aaron Donald, one of the biggest things he has as a weapon is the fact that a, he's just strong as a rock, but he's shorter than everyone and his arm length is good enough. So he is constantly at leverage. He is always under the pad level of whoever he's going against. And most players Maybe 99 out of 100 players at that size are just not going to have the strength to hold up. Zion Johnson has the strength at, you know, six, two and a half, six, three, whatever he is. He would clear the arm like thresholds at tackle if you were to play yeah. there. I think he's at 33 and a half arms. So he is always under the guy's pads and he's rock solid. He does not lose to power. And that's a starting point. Then you get into his athleticism, his technique, the fact that this guy is super smart off the field. He could play center. I I really think he's he's can't miss, and that's a dangerous word to say. But um, you know, he's he's one of the five best players in this class. I think he's he's scheme versatile. I I love him in a wide zone offense, but I think he's powerful enough to do duo and inside zone and power, whatever you want. Um. I mean, that's that's about as big of an endorsement as I can give on a guy. So I, I was having him going to the Giants in like February at like six because I just like this guy's that good. Yes. And so that's I would I would take him if I'm the Vikings at 12 or, you know, the Jets or even the Giants at six. Like, I just think he's going to be a Pro Bowl level impact immediately, similar to like you guys experienced with Rashawn Slater, just at a, a lesser important position. If the Chargers can get him and you you can put Filer over at right tackle, um, sign me up for that. I, I think that I, I probably almost prefer that to Trevor Penning at 17. 
Yeah, I I definitely prefer that to Trevor Penning at 17. I can tell you <laughs> that. I you know Zion just he's such a clean player, and you know it, it, we're not talking about you know like as much as I love Devin Lloyd, right? Who's kind of perceived as as a clean evaluation, or Nicobe Dean, who's perceived as uh, as a clean evaluation. Like you have questions about their size, their athleticism, whatever, their, how they translate in terms of role. With Zion, you don't have any question marks, man, at all. Like, sure, you wish you were six four, like whatever. But in terms of his athleticism, in terms of his tape, in terms of what he did at the Senior Bowl, you mentioned the background and, you know, him going on GMFB and talking about him building computers and having a master's in cybersecurity, man. Like He's a Skyrim fan. I mean, I know. <laughs> wrong with that. Clearly, he knows he's got good taste in video games. Yeah. I mean, he just <laughs> checks like every single box possible. And so I don't understand why he's not, you know, universally considered a top 20 player in this class. Like, I, I, of course, guard is not as valuable as tackle or anything like that, but he's well, unquestionably and, a top five to 10 player at worst, in my opinion. Yeah. And you kind of hinted at it, but his, his technique and pass protection is as good as it comes for a guard. Like all, all you're looking for at that spot is land your hands, hands, have patience, you know, get aggressive when you need to. Um, if a guy's trying to change lanes and stuff, you know, get over there, get in front of his face, he'll do that. But, you know, just stonewall a dude mm -hmm. and run your feet, mirror his ability and lock him up. And he does it snap after snap after snap. You, you just, you can't complain about it. Yeah. And then you mentioned the scheme versatility fit. Like Tyler Linderbaum is a center only, and he has to play in a wide zone scheme. You know, yeah. Kenyon Green is a guard only who probably has to play in a gap or power scheme. And Zion can do yeah. anything, any scheme, guard, center. You know, Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus has said that he would put him at right tackle. That's a little that's a little bit much for me. I would prefer him <laughs> at guard or center. But yeah, I just think like in terms of hitting the ground running from a prospect like Zion is as, as close as you can get in this class. Absolutely. Totally agree. So. I'm glad I'm not the only Zion truther out there, man. It's it's been like I see him mock sometimes at like 32 to the Lions. I'm like, what are we doing yep. here? Just can't let him uh, be protecting Tom Brady. That's that's all I'm asking for. <laughs> God. You know, if he goes to the Buccaneers, he's going to be like a Hall of Fame guard. Like, right oh my away. God, you know it. Yep. <laughs> all right. So another player that um, I'm not as high on him as you are, but I really really like him, and that's Michigan safety Daxton Hill, or defensive back, whatever you want to call him. So um i think he's kind of a wild card pick for the chargers at 17 because he really does you know really seem like a brandon staley defensive back i think the role would be kind of tbd but you're very high on daxon hill uh so why is that for one he's if you were to build a defensive back in a lab it's him he's 6'1 190 pounds 4'3 speed um, but beyond that the hip fluidity um, he can flip and go vertical. He can go, you know, laterally left and right. He can come downhill and accelerate like crazy. So just athletically speaking, we're not talking about him the way we talk about Trayvon Walker as this insane athlete um, or even Trevor. Pe like no one's talking about Daxton Hill as this absolute freak of a specimen, which he is on the on the field is where I noticed it first because I I was on him very early. And then he has the testing numbers that back it up. So for one, that's that's just a starting point. But um, when he so he he played a slot corner at Michigan. Yeah. They they decided that was where he had the best value for them, and and that's obviously where people are held up on him. 
because you just, you don't draft a slot player that early, but I will say, you know, he had about 150 snaps as a free safety and you could see he has it in him. Absolutely. Um, he, he triggers on stuff. He has that balance of, okay, I need to stay back here, stay deeper than the deepest. But he also knows, like, I need to jump this corner out and make a play. And when he closes, his range is absurd because of the, the traits we mentioned. Yeah. Um, so even though it's a smaller sample size, I absolutely think he can play single high free safety, which, which is a, a rarity. But I like him even more in a system like the Chargers have, which is a, a hybrid quarters-heavy system. Because if you look at some of the best – safeties in that system around the league you got simmons in denver you've got um oh boy uh the the duo in buffalo both guys former slot corners oh, uh hide like and, and, and Poyer. yeah and uh experience as a slot corner actually really helps you from a quarters um assignment because Absolutely. you're playing a little playing a little bit closer and you got to be able to flip and convert into man coverage very quickly. It's a lot of man match type of stuff. And I mean, when, when he had to do that, when he had to cover corner routes from off coverage from the slot, which is basically what we're talking about in a quarters quarter system, it's just easy, easy for him. It looks like he's in slow motion sometimes, but he's just right at the guy's hip pocket. So I, I think he's got versatility. He obviously can play in the slot. He's physical. He can tackle. Um, Man, I, I think he'd play outside corner if you really wanted to develop him there too. Like I just I I think he's one of the best players in this class. He's I think 13, 14 on my board right now. Yeah, uh 15th on my 15th. overall board okay. uh with a true first round grade. And yeah, I, I don't know if I sold you guys on him or not, but <laughs> well, I think schematic wise, like I, I definitely see how he would fit, right? Like I think. You know, Brandon Staley wants to play as much time as humanly possible. And you've yeah. got to have guys who can wear, you know, multiple hats who can do that. And so the the safeties outside of Derwin James and Nasir Adderley last year were just not capable players. And so, mm -hmm. you know, they really, until Derwin James was injured for two or three games, Nasir Adderley was exclusively a deep safety. And yep. then when Derwin gets hurt, they're like, okay, like we need this chess piece. And so they started using Adderley more and more in that role. And so I think you have those two guys. I mean, Adderley's solid. He's not like a super great player, but he's a solid serviceable option back there. They don't have that third player that would allow Brandon Staley to use Derwin James as, you know, however he wants. So I think if you're going to take a quote unquote safety early in this draft for the Chargers case, that is, or for anybody that, you know, is doing this uh, Vic Fangio stuff, you guys better be able to wear a bunch of different hats. And so, you know, I was a little late on Daxon Hill. I, I really, really like the player. He's He just missed a first-round grade for me. But I, I can absolutely see a world where Brandon Staley looks at him and says, hey, I need this guy to unlock Derwin James and Nasir Adderley to a lesser extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that is definitely a wild card option for the Chargers. That's not really being talked about, and you know he's another one that's you know been commonly mocked to like the Chiefs and the Buccaneers as of late. And I'm like, really, are there 25 better players in this class than Daxton Hill? I, I don't think yeah. there are. Yep. If I were drafting, he wouldn't be making it to you. I, I can promise <laughs> you that. 
Man, getting him in like the Raven system too would just be like a lot of fun. You know, him and Marcus Williams yeah. just like wreaking havoc back there would be fun as as a casual fan. Well, and that's what's so crazy about him is you you can say that about pretty much any team because he can literally he can be a single high free safety, he can be a strong safety, slot corner, hybrid safety, all of it. He just he can fit wherever you need him. Yeah. Absolutely. So we'll get your thoughts on some general questions. Obviously, the Chargers do not have a second round pick. So who are some of your favorite players in that late day two, early day three range that you think could potentially be uh, some targets for the Chargers? Okay. All right. Um, How about one of my favorite players in this draft? Do you guys bring Jared Cook back? No, he's uh, we signed Gerald Everett instead. Okay. well. I'm a big Donald Parham fan, but how about Charlie Kolar out of Iowa State, okay. third or fourth round? I have a I have a second or third round grade on him. He's actually my number two tight end. And if you're tired of watching Travis Kelsey across the pond, sit down in zones for eight catches, a play, shake linebackers, stiff arming dudes after the catch, Charlie Kohler, I, I think, can get to a point where he's about 90% of Travis Kelsey. He's almost wow. six foot seven. If you look at his athletic testing numbers, just do the RAS comparator, you're going to be very surprised at how close it is. They both ran 4640. Uh they're three cone. Uh Charlie Cole is actually a little bit better at seven flat three cone at that size, 120 inch broad jump, 36 inch vertical. He's a really athletic guy and he just moves better than most of these tight ends. Um, so he's not a blocker. He sucks at blocking, (laughs) but like Travis Kelsey, you just put him out wide. Um, you can use him as that ISO tight end on one side where you've got trips on the other side. And it just, it gives a lot of information to Herbert because, you know, if a linebacker follows him out there, it's most likely man. If he doesn't, you're probably looking at zone. Um, if it, you know, they, if they don't follow those rules, you're putting a lot of stress on the defense. So it just does a lot of good stuff that way. So Charlie Kohler would, would be a lot of fun. I think if you miss out on a tackle in the first round, um, how about third round? Actually, even later, like fourth, fifth round, Spencer Beerford out of UTSA. Uh, I think one of the more technically refined tackles in this class. I think he's a, a little bit better than the guy you guys took last year out of Nebraska. Um, yeah. Who was also pretty technically refined. I think, I think Burford's got a little bit more pop in his hands than, than Hymas. Um, So I think he could be a potential late round option to compete. Uh, and then how about some more interior defensive line help? It's tough to find. But uh, Neil Farrell Jr., like fourth yes, round. Yes, my guy. <laughs> I, I think this this interior defensive line cl- class is absolute utter garbage. Like it's one of the <laughs> oh, thinnest. It's one of the thinnest just position groups I think I've ever seen. Um, like non quarterback in a draft since I've been doing this. Wow. Farrell's like the only guy that I think can step in and defend the run like early on that you feel okay about. Um, which is another reason why I think. Jordan Davis like makes so much sense in the first, just because like you're not getting that <laughs> in the draft. The right. trade-off yeah, is yeah. huge. But yeah, Farrell's he's been what a four-year starter at LSU. He's got quick feet. Reminds me a lot of Tim Settle out of uh Virginia Tech, who just signed a nice 
you know, second contract with the bills to be a, you know, early down run defender type. So um, there's, there's some names. For the, for yeah, the Chargers. I'm I'm all about a, a nose tackle that will hit the gritty after a, after a run stop. Man, I love Neil Ferry. So <laughs> I have not seen that. Yeah, that was uh, the UCLA game. I think about a, a quarter half in, he tackled a DTR for loss and then hit the gritty. It was fantastic. I guess it's just a requirement if you're at LSU. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Uh, well, Marcus, this has been great, man. I kept you for longer than I said I would. So. Uh, you know, let our listeners know, man, where can they find you and uh, what all do you have coming up before the draft, which is uh, a yeah. little over a week away. Uh, well, you, you hit it earlier on. Uh, YouTube is, is where I live. So it's just find that franchise guy on YouTube. You can find me at TFG underscore football on Twitter. Uh, we're just wrapping up my top 10 positional videos. So uh, we got interior offensive line, interior defensive line, something Chargers fans will probably be looking forward to on that one. Uh, and then we got a couple mock drafts coming next week and a, a live stream. Um, I don't want to steal you guys. I don't know if you guys are doing a live stream audience, but I will also be live um, for uh, every pick of the draft. And yeah, we're not yeah. doing every pick. So, you know, okay. uh, I think we're going about, you know, picks 11 on. So uh, you guys can definitely check out Marcus's stream for uh, picks one through 10. We'll see you guys there. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, man, Marcus, this is great. Chargers fans, be sure to follow him, check him out, give him a, a, a sub on YouTube as well, like his videos, all that good stuff. So, uh, Marcus, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you later. Peace out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.